Hey guys, welcome to Contest Prep University. This is our first episode of kind of a frat house edition where Adam and I, instead of being very regimented and, and give short snippets of how-to instructional material, we use a little bit longer form and, and really talk about some topics that we think really deserve a little bit more of a conversational tone, sometimes even a debatable tone. And Adam, we, we kind of touched on this, I think a couple of weeks ago, just the fact that when you are a first-time competitor, everything just seems exciting. You're learning, it's new, and therefore it just seems really easy. And I remember the, the very first time I worked with somebody who was helping me, and this was long before there was ever such a thing as a nutrition coach or a contest prep coach. So this was just a guy, just a personal trainer in a gym, and yet... Um, you know, he gave me a meal plan, you know, just kind of a copy of a copy of a Chris Aceto thing from Flex Magazine. But but just having that accountability, having somebody say, do this, send me, you know, pictures, let's pick this apart one thing at a time. In one sense, it was an awful experience because it was a bad diet. I mean, there were times I was feeling so hypoglycemic that I would literally start, my, my peripheral vision would start shutting down and I would see stars I would be working. I was a physical therapist at the time. I would literally have to sit down and maybe eat like one raw baby carrot just to keep from passing out. But I never, ever broke my stride. I never caved in. I didn't eat one gram of anything off plan. And I loved every second of it. Then flash forward 10 years as a pro, you know, 10 years into my pro career, you're getting ready for these massive contests. You're going to be standing next to these legendary competitors on a New York City stage. And all of a sudden it, it became harder for some reason. Like I, I couldn't stick to it as well. It was, you know, I wasn't, wasn't feeling it. And I think there's a part of it where there's that, that new time novelty. And then even as maybe the stakes increase, it still doesn't hit you with the same impact. So you've obviously had a, a long career now, both you know in your, your competitive days, but with thousands of clients. What do you see as the difference in, in those kind of contexts? You know, it's interesting because you have the ignorance is bliss phenomenon, kind of like you had your first contest. And I think a lot of clients and people fall into that. Instagram kind of throws the ADD phenomenon in. Oh, what's that over there? And uh, it may not be better. It, it may be worse. So with first-time competitors that are eager to learn and assuming they don't have a diet history of like maybe doing Weight Watchers, you know, and there's um, metabolic or hormonal issues up front, I think first-time competitors are usually generally, as long as they have the uh, willpower to push through, are uh, really good competitors. And uh, keeping them molded and keeping them educated and not veering into, well, what's this keto diet over here? Maybe I should be doing that is kind of one of the most important things. But as they're immersed in the industry longer, there are more potential distractions to uh, kind of a uh, diverted client's attention somewhere else. And uh, one thing I like to tell people is this is uh, my home's a really inclusive home where you can, you know, look at hormones, look at digestion, not just be given macros. We'll look at your food logs to make sure you're 
not going to develop like gut dysbiosis. So, um, and, you know, kudos to you for teaching me all of this, but uh, we really are more than just macros and have a very customized and, uh, uh, you know, dynamic approach with our athletes. You know, one, one of the things that this is actually a topic and, and we're focusing on one part of it, but uh, I have been really thinking deeply about motivation lately, and I've even done contest coach clinic series on my social media about this. Matter of fact, this afternoon, I'm going to be doing a mind muscle connection podcast with Tyler Weeb on something similar. But one of the one of the most fun things I've done is with our live support chats that I do with clients and coaches three times a week, I kind of brought it to them. And I, and I pulled out a notebook recently, just Monday and Wednesday. And I said, let's actually talk about this. What, what variables do you think really tie into goal attainment? Like what, what do you think is hard? What do we need? What steps do you think people miss? And I'm man, to the credit of our clients and coaches, we came up with stuff that I had never even considered. And my challenge to them was let's really talk about this because it's very multidimensional and our brains are very binary. You know, we think this or this, there's one right way or a wrong way, or there's one, you know, you got to do it this way. Everything else is wrong. And in fact, it's, there are multiple steps, multiple variables, even kind of a time dimension that makes it four dimensional. And it's whatever you need. There are so many boxes to check but you may be tripping up on just one thing at a time. And you just hit on a big one, which is having that time commitment. If, if you don't have the bandwidth to say, this is something I can focus a lot on because as a newbie, you know, when I was getting ready for a contest with, with that particular trainer at that time, I was so excited to have support, to have a literal, you know, what served as a coach. And I felt like, you know, there was a, a place in it where I wanted him to be proud of me. So there's that pleaser perspective, like we know as our clients do with coaches. I certainly, after investing money and time with this guy, I wanted to win. I mean, every step of our career is always that next step to to move up the ladder. And so I can truly say it was the central focus of my time. I had that four or five month contest prep window and it was everything to me. And so, um, I don't know, it just, uh, I, I think a lot of us miss this. We get into our second contest, our fourth year competing, our 10th contest. And pretty soon it's just like, well, I just want to kind of fit this in, but, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm busy doing these things and, and I'm a veteran. I know how to do this. So it just, I just kind of pull along with me. And all of a sudden we can't give it the same energy we used to. Yeah. When I had started working with you, one of my goals was a, a non-traditional cardio approach to my contest prep. So when you gave me the time, I, I remember asking, do you mind if I rollerblade? <laughs> and when you said yes, I was like, that's super cool because I don't mind doing this. And I think there were like two times in my prep where it rained and I maybe had to use a rower at best. But I remember my last preps always being on the treadmill and just even during my workouts dreading what I was going to have to do after the working out part, because that's just always how I had done it. So that really opened my mind to a more dynamic approach. And, uh, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of everything you covered, um, 
I, I wrote something that looks at me every day and uh, it, it says, if you study biology and psychology, your program will never be beaten. And there's so many ways that you can take that. So, you know, finding the right types of cardio or the things that your clients enjoy that keep them invested in this journey longer is going to end up with more successful clients. And still to this day, I get clients who think it has to be on the Stairmaster or, or that if you don't do a squat, your legs aren't going to be big enough. Uh, you can really work around anything. And I think a lot of people um, really major in the minors, like we've kind of talked about, and uh, we sometimes have to realize what you can do is, you know, maybe good enough for right now. You're, uh, you, you just made my brain do like a 90 degree right turn. And, and I'm afraid I'm going to take us too far off topic. So, so fair warning. Um, before I get back on track to the new competitor versus like, you know, we kind of lose that, that freshness perspective. Um, I was just working with a client in our facility and as a guy who's, he's not a bodybuilder. He doesn't care about that stuff. Uh, I, I was explaining the difference between you know, people who train tend to be either muscle focused or movement focused. And if you're muscle, you know, it, it's as a bodybuilder, it's, it's normal to be muscle focused. Like I want to grow my quads. I want to grow my back, or this is my weak spot. I need, I need more upper chest. And so you think about the biomechanics, you think about the movement and the execution. And it's all about working that muscle, muscle recovery, muscle fiber recruitment. If you are movement focused, you're more like an athlete. How can I jump higher? How can I dunk a basketball? How can I get my fastball up to 95 miles an hour? And so it's very different. And I think you, you have to keep both in mind and using that as a metaphor back to a competitor who is no longer a first-time competitor and you no longer have that zeal, uh, but you're trying to recreate it. You have to remember that kind of dichotomy. Yes, you're a veteran. Yes, you have a lot of experience and you can bring that to the table. That's like maybe being movement focused, but now you've got to recapture some of that fine tuning detail. And I think one of those uh, components, and, and this is one of the things we talked about in our, our daily chat this week, uh, is also that, that hunger to learn. You know, when you're new, like if, if I wanted to do something new right now, like something just captivated me, what's the first thing I would do? I would go to the internet and I would do a search. And pretty soon I'm like 20 YouTube videos in and I'm, you know, within four days, I've got 20 hours of research into this and I've got spreadsheets with the pros and cons and I'm starting to buy stuff because I'm just enveloped in this new hobby or this new interest. That's what we all do as first-time competitors or the first time we engage in some kind of physique transformation process but when it's our 10th year, our 20th year, our 25th year, we're trying to win, you know, that back-to-back -back world championship, you know, we kind of forget that. And I, and I think we have to intentionally re-immerse ourselves in something, find some voices to listen to, find some new, new places where you're getting information and try and dig a little bit deeper and go to that next level. And, you know, that's, that's almost like that self-accountability where we pull ourselves back into that flow of information. And I think that's harder for people who have the experience to do, but it's still just as critical. I think that's how we can recapture that energy. 
Yeah, it, you know, it's it's important to simplify things for new people and maybe give more advanced people uh, more tidbits of information that keep them interested. You know, I, I'm not having a first-time competitor the first week they start with me measure their blood glucose because it's just, they, they're getting used to tracking macros. So it's really meeting clients where they are. And, uh, you know, honestly, if you were asked to ask me to do cardio on a treadmill now, I haven't done it in so long. It'd actually be relatively interesting to me. So there is the kind of burnout phenomenon with these more advanced clients that you have to work around. Are you somebody who, um, when a client is struggling, and I mean, let's say it's like, you know, you know, this person, you know what they're capable of and, you know, everybody wants to get a little bit better each year and yet you see them struggling. Do you have one of those, like, you know, grab them by the lapels and shake them and, and say, look, you, you're, you're gonna screw this up. Like, like you're, you're wasting your time, your, your energy. Like, are you somebody that pulls out that coaching card of real in your face motivation? It depends on you know, what, what demons we're currently facing. Uh, I, I have a guy who's like two weeks out from the Arnold and man, did I want to give him what he was asking for so badly, but I just couldn't. Uh, but had he been in the off season, I would have been like, sure as hell take a rest day or, you know, relax. But we, we had already double refed and rest over the weekend. So it's just that terrestrial hunger that hit him two days after that. And, and we've all had that where we have the refeed and like a day or two later, the hunger's just off the wall. And, uh, you know, you really have to know what you're up against and uh, potentially, uh, you know, maybe possibly a binge with this client. So I actually did give him, uh, you know, we kind of talked about a little more protein, a little more vegetable just before bed, because I was actually afraid he'd be tossing and turning and that'd lead him to a binge. So kind of knowing the individual client demands, and this is why we need to push through this. Um, here's the tools we're going to use out of the toolbox for this right now. And then let's see how we feel tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the reason I ask, um, you almost answered this in the way that I thought, sure, Adam's going to kind of skirt around this one is he's going to say it depends, but that's truly like a good answer because, um, I, I think I, I do that more often now than any, than I ever have, you know, I was always a little bit more just polite and I never want to push people. And this is your choice. And sometimes we need better work-life balance. Maybe this isn't the right time. And now I, I kind of understand a little bit more that sometimes people really want that harsher accountability. Like I hired you to be my coach. Sometimes that's calling the plays. It's the X's and the O's, but sometimes it's, I just need that punch in the gut. Like I need you to tell me to get my, my ass in gear. And you know, if you, if that's all you are, then I think that's pretty shallow coaching. And I think that can wear thin and doesn't have the effect, but Every once in a while, when I see a client that is maybe just losing interest and I, and I have to tell them, look, you're, you know, we need a tough love conversation. You, you really need to just buckle down. 
and I've used this phrase, you know, because I, I do believe it's true, but this is the first time I'm ever going to say it's more nuanced than ever. If you want something bad enough, you're going to do what it takes. You just are. It's just true. And so if you find that it's just more difficult now than it ever has been, maybe it is not the right time. And maybe you just don't want it bad enough. And maybe you need to think about cashing in your chips and competition or this sport isn't even what you want any longer. Like it was a, it was a seminal part of your life before it was a high portion of your identity. Now it's time to let that go. But if you want this, you better fucking get your ass in gear and, and let's get it done. Like, you know, you can, you can almost do both. You can, you can talk about the, the reality of it being just part of our lives, but you can't let people forget if you want to do this well it's going to take more than you're willing to give right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's hard for us as coaches to decide that for our clients, but that's a really good point. And you are right. There's times, and that's probably where I'm really good at explaining the why more, because I just, unfortunately, I expect people to know when I lower their macros, it's because they need to be in a calorie deficit. Um, although some people may need that explained to them, I would hope they would come forward and say, why did you move my carbs? But when having those tough conversations, this is why you can't have what you want to have, but this is why we're, we're doing it. And I think that this could really risk the win for you. Mm. So the, the nuance I was mentioning is that it's not that dogmatic. When I say, if you want something bad enough, you'll do what it takes. That is something that we need to train and, and we can get better and better and better at putting all the pieces in the right alignment for goal attainment, because just that process. And as I talked about the multidimensionality of this, um, you know, it, it's that's a process to get better at at a maturity in every single component that you and I may talk about. It is something you can go a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, as we know. I mean, you, you and I sometimes, as, as the omnipotent narrator of another person's coaching journey, you know, we know what, what they're going to be feeling and where they're going to be at and what they're going to need two or three months down the line. And they don't even know what it is that they don't know. They, don't, they haven't experienced that yet. That's part of that novelty of a new competitor. And even somebody who's competed for a long time, that, that advancement, that maturity that they're getting through the process is also new. You know, we're covering new ground. It's like, you know, you're a college senior now. Your first show, you were a college freshman. And even though you have some experience, there's still more to learn. You, you don't learn it all and you're done. And so I, I do feel like now, even in those tough love conversations and that hardcore coaching, there's still the allowance for We'll probably have this conversation again at some point. We'll probably have it again. We'll probably have it again, but it's it's a little bit different each time because we're we're exercising and training that muscle. It's like a motivational muscle. How do I stay on track? I'll I'll explain it one last time, just with kind of a new metaphor. When you talk to somebody about meditation, like somebody who's a meditation expert, like a Sam Harris, you know they'll say. You know, whenever somebody says, okay, every time you lose focus and you bring yourself back, you, you think, well, that's a failure. Darn it. I need to do better. I need, I need to get to the point where I can meditate and I'm never distracted. An expert would say, no, that's not it at all. Like it's literally every time you have to rein your focus back in, 
that's the rep. Like that's the strengthening part. And so you'll, you'll always need to do that, but you'll do it sooner and you'll do it better, but it never goes away. There's always that grit and that resistance. You never achieve it all the way. So that's why I said I'm, I'm a little bit more liberal to have these conversations where I can get in a client's face. They know it's because I have their best interest at heart, but I also know that it's still a process. It's not just a dogmatic black and white. You either have it or you don't. It's an interesting point on kind of getting people back on track in a rep's perspective from a coaching perspective. Now, that's also within you. Uh, that also revolves around the uh, level of coaching somebody offers. So I have a couple different thoughts on that. Uh, you know, recently you see a lot of um, influencers post, a uh, coach isn't there to hold your hand. And uh, th that is true to an extent, but I kind of hate that because that sends a message that you can't have what maybe somebody might need to get this done. So I don't expect someone to pay me the same rate to hold their hand as somebody who maybe needs, you know, a lot of hand holding. Maybe they need a text every day or something like that. Um, I will always dynamically adjust things as needed to give a client what they need. Now, they might have to pay more for something like that. So I think we set a really bad standard out there by saying we're not there to hold your hand, which we're not. But the possibility is there if the person is willing to pay for that kind of service. So I, I think we tell a lot of people no by putting that information out there. Um, and then another thing I thought of is this whole phenomenon on new competitors, maybe being ignorance is bliss is also the shiny object syndrome. So, you know, once you want to have a new car or a new body, that that end goal seems very, very enticing. But then once you have it, you kind of take it for granted. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just like relationships. You know, if you're with a wife or a boyfriend, girlfriend for a long period of time, Sometimes you take that for granted and uh, you start abusing that a bit. It's almost out the door. You start really caring about it again and doing what's needed to maintain that relationship. Uh, so the whole maintenance factor and it, with a long-term competitor is much more difficult. I, I find um, that's where not because we're, we're kind of talking about things as a self-accountability method, you know, get you know holding yourself accountable getting it done staying focused but in reality this is why as a species we're so much better with support you know we're a social species and so for you to have some kind of of like-minded group that is supportive and, and you know sometimes it's hard to do in the physique sport community because you know there just aren't, aren't that many around maybe in your town or your city uh, so maybe online support becomes more important but I was reminded of this yesterday. I was listening to a podcast and a, and a science writer uh, talked about a little bit about the, the phenomena now that post COVID, like more people have been working at home and 60% of the population doesn't want to go back into work. Like they just want to keep working from home. And he said, you know, part of that problem is we just work better around other people. Like if, if I just have somebody sitting beside me working, they're not, they're not looking over my shoulder, what I'm doing but I'm going to behave differently. Like I'm going to work harder. I'm going to stay more focused. I'm not going to 
go down these rabbit holes, you know, of, of something more personal when I'm supposed to be working, even if it's for my own goal. And, and he's a writer. He's a guy who could just take his laptop and go sit out in the woods or in a library. And he's like, I just need somebody around me because then I perform better. And especially when we get into the longer stages of our bodybuilding careers, you know, do we have that? Are we excited because we have a training partner? Do we have a coach or do we think we have it down? Do we, do, do we stay involved in these like-minded communities, maybe online? I think that's important. You know, we have to build that support structure sometimes. Make a good point. Cause when you go to a Starbucks on like, you're out on a business trip and you kind of want that home office feel. There's tons of people on their laptops there. And that's exactly what you're doing. I've kind of always felt that more focused vibe when, you know, I'm on the road that a Starbucks really does help maintain that focus. That's what I've done. It's funny. Um, like, especially when we had fantasy camps and things like that. And so you get in this, this camp environment where you're literally training people and um, it, it's that hot spot moment, right? Like, like you're here for work. You got all these people around you doing it. And, you know, you can, you, you can, you know, this client is maybe 12 or 16 weeks away from a contest and, and they're, they're just thinking about themselves, but when they're in the middle of a set and you whisper, you know, your competitors are doing 20 reps on this set right now. Like, you know, they're dieting harder than you, you know, they're working harder than you. Like you remind them that they're not in a vacuum doing this work, that they're going to be on a stage. And, and all of a sudden that comes rushing in like, holy shit, you're right. And, and again, that's something we lose when we're just in the normal daily flow of life. And we just forget that newness, that excitement that brought us here in the first place. Yeah. My client, Ashley Courtney, just did her first uh, YouTube video uh, it's her first contest she's really excited about it but she did a voiceover and the voiceover read that she was in the gym working out and she said the competition is right now and i couldn't think of a more true statement perfect perfect man well hey adam let's uh let's wrap this up i'm, I'm excited we're gonna throw in one of these frat house sessions where uh, it, instead of just being incredibly instructional as our normal Contest Prep University series are, we just continue to pick apart some of the, the more conversational topics I think people would enjoy hearing. And um, I had an idea. Uh, I, I think at some point we should probably kind of invite some people in. So maybe one of our viewers or listeners at some point, we kind of kind of bring them in to, to rap about some of this stuff. But uh, appreciate uh, you as always, my, my partner in CPU. As a matter of fact, this was, I think, your idea. So uh, it's, it's cool. It's great. Uh, always trying to you know, talk about keeping things new and fresh, right? Like we're probably in our third or so year of Contest Prep University. We're getting close to a thousand episodes and we keep wanting to do things to keep uh, ourselves focused on bringing our, our viewers and listeners the best information. So there's kind of a meta metaphor that I didn't think of till right now. So good stuff, Adam. I will see you next time. And uh, for you guys watching, listening, thanks so much. And we will see you next time in Contest Prep University.